Tonight we're talking about forgiveness. I was gonna call this talk the F word. <laughs> forgiveness is a brutal word, right? In fact, as soon as I just said forgiveness, what happened all across this room is that in minds, what happened is an ex-girlfriend or an ex-boyfriend, a parent, uh, a boss, uh, an old best friend, that guy that fired you, whatever, just popped into your mind. And if you're anything like me, the temptation was to go, no, no, oh, we're not going there. We're not going there to tonight, Ryan, whatever. Just go do your thing, read your Bible, and, and, and we'll get to that some other time, right? Because forgiveness is a hard thing to do. It's not easy, and yet I am convinced that forgiveness is the number one thing that paralyzes us from stepping into the life that Jesus has for us. I think that, that unforgiveness is the thing that keeps us trapped. I think it's like a jail cell that we've created for ourselves. And I think the irony, the great irony in it all is that we have the key to it and that we have the ability because of what Jesus has done for us to set free to, to open the door and walk out of it tonight, but it's hard for us to do because we think for some reason if we hold on to bitterness and we harbor resentment, then that's going to hurt that other person that we want to hurt. The reality is it's just keeping us in a jail cell and it's keeping everybody around us going, man, I wish there wasn't that like cloud over them. Like I, I wish that they could experience the freedom and the life and the love that Jesus is calling us all to. So I say that to say two things uh, up, talk, up top as we talk about forgiveness. One, um, this is gonna be a little heavy, okay? It's gonna, gonna be a little heavy for some of us, but this is a place where it's okay to not be okay. And this is a place where, where I wanna say all the time that this is a journey and that, that we are, are on this journey together and we are all working through these things together. And tonight, I just want us to take another step. Take another step on the road to forgiveness and on the road to freedom. That's number one. Number two, let me also say this, and this is important. To forgive someone doesn't necessarily mean to forget. Okay? So, so um, hurt people hurt people. And history repeats itself, so what I'm not saying is just, just go be lovey-dovey with everybody and pretend like nothing ever happened. Um, you may need to forgive somebody tonight and never talk to them again. Or, or to take that a step further, you may need to forgive somebody and still get a restraining order, right? Like, like, like to forgive doesn't mean that you go, oh no, it's all good, water under the bridge, forget uh, about it, we still need to be smart. We still need boundaries. There's this great book called Boundaries that Trav and I recommend to people all the time, Henry Cloud. It's fantastic, talking about healthy boundaries. What I'm going after tonight is that venomous poison that sits in our hearts called bitterness. It's almost like a, like a monkey on our back, like whispering into our ear that we gotta stay mad at that person and that we gotta keep wishing the worst for that person because somehow if we do that, we're gonna get them back. I'm telling you, man, it's poison. And Jesus paid much too high of a price for us to walk around with that on our back, whispering in our ears. So we're going after that tonight. And to do that, we're gonna read a story. We're gonna read a story in Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, if you have your Bible, if not, it'll be up on the screen. This is Jesus. It says, and as they were eating, Jesus was a fan of food. One of the many reasons why I love him. He took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, take, 
This is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, we didn't make that up by the way. People have been singing, singing hymns for thousands of years. They went to the Mount of Olives and Jesus said to them, you will all fall away for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered but after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Jesus just said two profound things. One, he said, you guys are all gonna get scared uh, after I get killed and you're gonna run away. Um, but don't worry, that's just fulfilling prophecy, which is what we, we are doing like, like multiple times here. Um, and two, I'm coming back and I'm gonna come before you. But our, our good friend Peter is, is really great at taking profound things about God and making them about him somehow, which my soul resonates with, right? Peter says to him, even though they all fall away, I won't. Jesus, I'm with you. I'm with you. They're going to fall away. I'm not going anywhere. I got you, Jesus. I'm in this with you. Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, that word just means without doubt, with certainty. I looked it up. Most like pastors look up like the Greek words and like try to like bring like the real meaning out. I just try to figure out the English ones. <laughs> Peter said to him, without doubt, with certainty, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same thing. And then they all failed miserably. <laughs> I added that last line, but that's what happens. Right, And so what we have here tonight is a story about Jesus at a table with his best friends entering into the darkest moment of his life, knowing that they are going to betray and abandon him. And with nothing but love and forgiveness in his heart, he sits down to have a meal with them. And I think that the message underneath that is so profound that it applies directly to our relationships today, 2,000 years later. And so we're going to unpack that tonight. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you. We pray that you would be here with us. Lord, we want to talk about forgiveness, and that's a scary thing. Father, so would you be here, and would you bring comfort? Father, would you bring peace? Spirit, would you bring conviction where there needs to be conviction? And would you walk this journey with us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. You guys okay? Everybody all right? Feeling good? Feeling ready? Question for you. What would you do if you knew that tonight was the last night of your life? What would you do? Think about it for a second. That sounds kind of like, like a cliche country song, doesn't it? I don't know. Is that a redundant statement, a cliche country song, Charlie? hey -o. Hey, we're 51 weeks away from the next sea coach. If there's ever a weekend I can make fun of country, it's tonight. But what would you do if tonight was your last night on earth? I would probably go 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. You didn't think I knew it. You didn't think I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. But what would you do? Jesus was um, asking himself that very question in the story that we just read. Okay? So underneath that story that we just read is Jesus understanding that this is it for him. This is the last night. This is what he has. And he's looking at his 12 very unqualified buddies going, well, okay, here we go. Like, if I was Jesus, this is what the conversation would go like. Like, I would, I would walk up to them and I'd be like, 
listen, guys, uh, I'm leaving. You can thank your buddy Judas for that one. Um, and uh, you guys are going to be on your own. And you're not ready by, by any means. But here's the deal. Like, we're going to start the greatest movement of love that this world has ever seen. And so if I was Jesus, I would give them like, like a checklist, you know? Like, here are the 10 secrets to planning the church, you know, and to starting this movement. Like, here's everything that you need to do. Like, when it comes to forgiveness, where this is a movement of love. So if somebody wrongs you, like, just forgive them, you know? Like, just let it go. If somebody says something bad to you, then, then whatever. Uh, let it go and move on. Don't hold on to bitterness. Got it? Cool? Like, let's go play soccer or something. I, I don't know. Whatever. Like, like, you got this. Here's your checklist. Just go do these things. I, Jesus was a sports fan. I don't know. I don't know. Right? But, but like, follow this to a T because we've got a lot of work to do. But Jesus doesn't do that. And there's a reason why Jesus doesn't do that. The reason Jesus doesn't do that is because he understands the tension that we are all feeling in this room right now. He understands that when it comes to things like forgiveness, sometimes words aren't enough, right? Like like when it comes to things like forgiveness, sometimes it's not enough just to say, forgive. Because then what happens, what happens when somebody hurts you? and hurts you at a deeper level, at like soul level wounds? Well, what happens when somebody hurts you so bad that you um, just cannot stand it anymore and you just want the worst for that person? Then is, is saying, oh, well, I'm supposed to forgive. Is that gonna be enough? No, Jesus understood that when it comes to the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, like forgiveness, it takes an experience takes an experience. So instead of sitting them down with a checklist, what he does is he takes them to the table. Takes them to the table. And so tonight, we, I'm going to call this talk at the table because we're going to look at, at what Jesus does on his last night with his disciples. Because let's be real for a second. Um, how cool is it that, that we have a God, the, the, like the creator of the universe, God, cares about us enough to come in the flesh and do things like eat meals with us, Right? Have you ever thought about that? Like, like, okay, what about this? We don't have, God could have designed us to not need to eat. These are the things I think about. I, I don't know. Like God could have just designed us to not need to eat. But for some reason he did. And I think it's for two reasons. One, to say, slow down. You don't have to go that fast. And two, it's to say, hey, uh, sit down with your friends and family and loved one and have meals. Like, be relational with each other. Ask each other how their day was, right? This is Jesus. Big life moments happen around the table. On a Thursday, um, we, we took a group of, of men from, from the church up north for a few days um, to kind of get away and, and um, pitch a vision for, for some, some future stuff. And um, I went up early, and I'm, I'm driving up Santa Bar- like through Santa Barbara, and I was feeling... Um, particularly Christian, and so I stopped, and I got my latte, you know, and I'm working on this talk, and so I go, and I, like, sit, like, bird's eye view of the beach, and I'm like, God, speak to me, you know, what, what shall we say about forgiveness, and by the way, giving a talk on forgiveness is just the worst, it's been a, it's been hard, but it's been good, all right, so I'm up, I'm like, I got this bird's eye view of the beach, and, and I'm, I'm hanging out, and this party shows up, like 30 people, and, and they kind of set up shop in the back of the beach, and they're playing cornhole and, and all the rest. And then, like, the girls bring this table right up to the ocean, like right up to, to where the, the, the water is coming up, and they start setting it up. 
and they start setting this table. And for the next 20 minutes, I watch them like put the tablecloth on, you know, and the, the different candles and, and all the different flowers and everything. And it's super windy at night. We always think it's like super romantic at sunset on the beach, but it's really windy, right? And so they're like trying to hold everything down. And there's like four girls trying to make sure that this table is perfect. And I realize what's going on. There's about to be a proposal. Right, like some, some guy's about to propose to his girl, and so like the girls are making sure that this table is perfect. Why? Because life events, important life events happen around a table. It, it was actually insane, because then the, the couple shows up, and they're like, oh my God, there's a, there's a table on the beach, let's eat this meal. And they, they sit down, and they're, they're doing their thing, and then sure enough, the guy gets down on a knee, and, and, and I can't see, I can't hear anything. I'm like, I'm like 50 feet away, totally like stalking this, this whole thing. And, and the girl just starts crying. And, and then I can see her head. She, she, she says no. And, and it's crazy because the family is like inching closer and closer, like ready to take a picture, you know, and like ready to do the thing. And the guy's like, like giving them one of these, like go the other way, right? Like this is bad. And the family's just like, let's just go home. I, I guess let's give them their space. She said, no, we weren't expecting that. But uh, the table is really important to Jesus. Meals are, are su- <laughs> and uh, just at the core of, of his ministry. And I'm totally kidding, by the way, you guys. That none of that, none of that happened. She said yes. We're good. There's like a nobody. You don't know the couple. There's like this like sigh of relief for some couple in Santa Monica. Santa Barbara, we wish them the best. No, she said yes, it was all good, but important life events happen around the table. So what's Jesus trying to say? What's Jesus trying to say on his last night to his disciples? Here's what you have to understand, the Passover was happening. The the Passover meal was at hand. Once a year, the Jews would meet in Jerusalem to remember and celebrate a moment 1,500 years earlier, back in Moses' day, when God had saved his people by the blood of the lamb. If you remember the story, the blood of the lamb saved his people out of slavery and into freedom. And so once a year they would meet and they would sacrifice a a lamb, which if that sounds barbaric to you, it it is. But at the time, this was their way of thinking, right? So they they would sacrifice the lamb and then they would go have a Passover meal. So think about this for a second. Jesus, who John the Baptist called as soon as he said, as soon as he saw him for the first time, behold the lamb of God who comes to pay the price for our sins. Jesus, the lamb of God, the ultimate sacrifice, sits down with his buddies on their final night and the verse says that he takes the bread and he breaks it. Remember what's on their mind right now. They're thinking Passover. They're thinking God's saving us out of slavery and into freedom. Jesus takes the bread and he breaks it and he says, this is my body broken for you. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, hey, um, I know that that we do this whole sacrifice thing once a year, but guess what? Tomorrow, something else is going to happen. And we know this because we see it kind of from from the back end and the disciples were probably super confused at the time, but he breaks the bread and he says, tomorrow my body is going to be broken for you. Why? Picks up the cup. Says, this is my blood. Blood of the new covenant shed for you. Tomorrow, we're going to finish this thing once and for all. Tomorrow, I'm going to pay the price for humanity's sins because that's how much I love all of you. And so his buddies are, are sitting there, and they don't just get a checklist from Jesus as to how to start the local church. Instead, they get a demonstration from Jesus of just how much he loves them. Now, 
You might be thinking, well, okay, great, Ren. What does that have to do with forgiveness? Everything. See, because there was a, there was a, a man at that table. His name was Judas. And, and he was the one who was about to betray Jesus and basically sentence him to death. And Jesus is there with Judas, breaking the bread and passing him the cup and saying, take this, Judas. Take this and eat and drink. In other words, Judas is sitting there, or Jesus is sitting there with his buddies knowing full well what's about to happen, looking into their eye and going, hey, I forgive you. So the table, the table, at the table, is where we realize that we're forgiven. At the table is where we realize just how far Jesus went to let us know that he loves us. And when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to forgiving our friends, the starting point has to be understanding how much he loves us, understanding how much he has forgiven us. Because if we don't get that first, young adults, if we don't get that first, then we're gonna be trying to, trying to just like white knuckle this thing, making phone calls like, I forgive you, I think. That's what Ryan said I was supposed to do, right? Like, I don't care, Game of Thrones, finale, let's go. All right, whatever. But if we understand tonight that God loves us, if we understand tonight that at the table we are forgiven, let me say it this way. If we understand tonight that there's a seat for you at the table and that there's a seat for me at the table, listen, if there's a seat for Judas at the table, there's a seat for you. And I don't care what your week looked like, all right? I don't care what your 28 years looked like. Jesus is saying, hey, come on. Come on, everybody, 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 come to the table. Let's go, let's eat. This forgiveness is for, what does it say? For God so loved the world that he sent his son. Whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. So you and I are welcome at the table. There's a spot for us. There's a spot for us. So let's go. All right, so, so number one, if we wanna learn how, how to forgive, if we wanna take another step in our journey towards forgiving tonight, I think the first thing that we have to understand is that we are forgiven. And at the table, that's where we understand that we are forgiven. But the table tells us more than just that. A, uh, an argument broke out uh, amongst the, the crew as they're, they're sitting having, having this meal. Uh, an argument um, that essentially sounded something like this. I, I think I'm the greatest. What? No, Peter, tell him what you told me. Man, like, I'm pretty good, right? Like, John, you're all right, but James, James, I, I, don't, I don't think you're gonna put, we're gonna put you at number five. Like, okay, so, so Peter's gonna be one, John's gonna be two, Andrew's gonna be three, right? They start arguing about who the greatest is. And if that just isn't a great insight into human nature, I don't know what is. Right? This is what we do. This is what we argue about who we want to know. We want to know, is it McGregor or is it Mayweather? Right? Who's the TBE? Who's the GOAT? Who's the best all time? Right? This is what our culture breathes. Right? Who is the greatest? Jesus, as they're having that lovely discussion, gets up from the table. I picture him not saying a word to anyone, walking into the back room, grabs a basin of water, brings it out, gets down on his knees and starts washing their feet. Now, that's a little weird for, for us today, but washing of the, the feet was the job at that time for like the lowest of the low on the totem pole. 
Like, like, like the guy um, who's, who's the lowest on, on um, the totem pole gets to wash feet because it's the job that nobody wants to do. And here we have the creator of the universe in the flesh coming to pay the price for all of our sins, getting up from the table to wash our feet. Why? Because at the table, we not only realize that we are forgiven, we also realize that Jesus isn't keeping score. At the table, we realize that we don't have to keep score anymore. Do you see it? At the table, we realize that Jesus is going, hey, um, you're playing the wrong game, guys. You're trying to be great. (laughs) He would say crazy things like, you want to know how to be great? Serve. Right? You want to be first? Be last. You want to find your life? Lose it. Right? In other words, there's a way that the world works. The way that the world works is that there's this pecking order. And so you got to do your, your thing and make sure that you climb that, that, that pecking order as high as you possibly can. And that is all rooted in this idea that, that resources are limited right? And of course they are. So like at work, you're going you're gonna to throw elbows with your coworker because if they get the job and you don't, then that means that, or they get the raise and you don't, that means that you lose out on money because there's a finite amount of resources, right? Jesus is saying, hey, we don't need to think that way anymore. We don't need to keep score like that anymore because there is something new happening. Kingdom of the world, sure, sure. Right, throw, if, if your goal tonight is to become the greatest of all time, then you probably shouldn't forgive. You should probably hold on to all the grudges that you have because if you were to forgive, you would be releasing that person uh, of something that you are holding over them. So, so if your goal is to climb the ladder and get to the top, you shouldn't forgive because your unforgiveness just holds them down there. But if something totally different is happening, If Jesus was right and when he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, if Jesus truly did come to show us a brand new way to be human, then what we have to understand is that the kingdom of the world is great, but there is a whole new way to live. It's called the kingdom of heaven. And in the kingdom of heaven, it's not about being first, it's about being last. It's not about being great, it's about learning how to serve. And so what that means, what that means, young adults, is that when it comes to forgiveness, we got to realize that we're not keeping score anymore. You ever just like been in a, an atmosphere, like a, a work environment or um, a relationship where it just feels like um, everyone's trying to get leverage on each other, you know? And like everyone's trying to, to, to one up each other. And anytime somebody helps you, you feel like they're going to expect something in, in, in return, right? Like, like, isn't it just exhausting, Isn't it just like, ah, man, do we really have to play this game? And Jesus is coming to us going, no, there's a new way to be human. There's a new way to do this. You don't have to keep score anymore because check this out. um, um, If if, um, we look at like like, uh, the resources, like a pie in the world, it's a finite pie. And so if they take a piece, then that's a piece that that you miss out on. But in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven resources are unlimited. So things like love, joy, peace, patience, there's no end to them. There's no forgiveness, grace. There, there's no end to, to how much honor we can show to one another. There's no end to the amount of peace that we can have. There's no end to the amount of love that we can show this world. It's unlimited. The, the pie keeps going, so we're free to pass it out and take some for ourselves and whatever because it's never going to go away so we can forgive each other and give each other the benefit of the doubt because we don't have to play that game anymore. So Jesus comes to the table to show us, one, that we've been forgiven, but he also comes to the table 
Show us that we're playing the wrong game. Show us that we are playing the wrong game. And, and man, like today, in the world that we live, it's just kind of this whole narrative that, that, that I'm explaining to us of not playing that game anymore. It kind of flies in the face of a lot of things that are happening in our world right now, doesn't it? Like, like, like there are um, a, a lot of people, groups, or a lot of people, whatever, who, who just want so badly to, to like climb the ranks and, and, and be on top and be the best that it's worth to them throwing elbows and, and, and lobbing insults over the fence and, and not speaking life into people's worlds because they want it for themselves. And yet God's going, Jesus is going, hey, the kingdom of heaven's not going to work that way. And in fact, let me, let me read something for us. Isaiah 25. Isaiah 25 and verse 6. This is a, a, another prophecy of what, the, what it's going to be like, what the end of the story is like. The end of the story looks like this. When it's all said and done, it says, On this mountain... Isaiah prophesying about what heaven's going to be like. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people, all people, everyone, the Lord will make for all people a feast of rich food and a feast of well-aged wine. Saying, hey, at the end of the story, we get another table. But this table, God is preparing a beautiful meal with great food and well-aged wine for, the, for all people. That means all races, all ethnicities. That means all, all tribes, all tongues. That, that, that means every culture, every person coming together to not go, hey, there's like this hierarchy here and this pecking order, but instead coming together to celebrate one another and outdo one another in showing love. If I need to maybe put this a little more bluntly, um, I heard somebody say this week that heaven is going to be a white supremacist hell. Because what we are looking forward to is a time where we all gather together. We're all going to party, man. We're all going to party. We're all going to have a feast. And the only people that aren't going to want to be there are the people that are still stuck in this mentality that some people are better than others. And, and that some ethnicities are, are better than others. And so you guys should wash your feet. We should wash our feet and we're gonna be over here. And Jesus came to completely demolish that entire system and go, children of God, hang out together, love each other, outdo one another in showing love, in showing honor, in showing mercy, in forgiving. Because we don't have to play this game anymore. Jesus brought his disciples to the table to show them that they've been forgiven and to show them that they don't have to play that pecking order game anymore. Which means if God's forgiven us and means if God loves all of his children, then we are freed up just to, just to forgive, man. Just to let it go. Just to say, yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. We're all messed up people. You made mistakes. I made mistakes. Like, I, I, I forgive you. Man, what if, what if tonight a, a letter was written or a text was, was delivered or a phone call was made that, that just simply said, hey, um, I know that, that there's a ton here and a, and a big old history. I just want you to know um, that, that I forgive you. And, and not in like a, I forgive you, so you should probably forgive me kind of a way, right? That's the old system, man. That's playing the game. Just in a, just, just go, just go, be released. You are free. You are free. I do not hold that over you anymore. I promise you it is one of the most freeing things 
you will ever do. There's one more layer to this. You guys okay? Some of you are looking at me right now like, can't you just tell us like funny stories tonight? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll give you one. So, so uh, solar eclipse, solar eclipse. You guys see it on Monday? I was, um, I was at Bogart's and um, some of our seacoasters are nerds. And so they were out on the, the lawn by Bogart's and Seal Beach. And Seal Beach like went off for the solar eclipse. Like there were people coming out of the woodworks. It was crazy. It was awesome. And, and I walk out there to like see what all the commotion's about. And um, there's like five different ways to look at the solar eclipse set up like on this lawn. Like Savvy's got her like cereal box and like the scientist has like this like projector thing and there's like these special glasses. But everybody keeps saying the same thing. Everybody keeps going, don't look at the sun. Don't look at the sun. Do not, do, if you look at the sun, you're going blind, right? <laughs> like, like it was, like I was walking around like this, like really? Is it, is it that bad? And uh, I get curious and so I, I find uh, like the kind of the ringleader of the whole deal who seems to know everything. And I go, hey, uh, listen, man, um, why is it so bad to stare at the sun during an eclipse? And he, so guys have this thing sometimes where we like look, we, there's like this eye contact kind of a look like, hey man, change the subject right now. Like, do not ask that. I don't want to embarrass you in front of your friends right now. He gave me that. I didn't see it. So, so I go, no, seriously, man. Like, like, what is it about the eclipse that makes it really hard to look at the sun? And he stares at me and he goes, you can never look at the sun. And I was like, no, like, like when you look at the sun during a solar eclipse, like it hurts you. And he goes, it always hurts you. It's the sun. <laughs> you know, like, like what, what are you talking about? And so I learned something new. Um, uh, on Monday, you can't look at the sun. I don't know. Write that one down. I don't know. Okay. One more layer. One more layer to this whole thing. Jesus is at the table. And he's at the table to remind his disciples that they are forgiven and that they don't have to play the game anymore. But then they go out, they, they, they go out and, and everything goes down. Jesus gets arrested. And this guy named Peter, who our boy Peter, we just read about saying, I'm, I'm there with you to the end, Jesus. And he's like, Pete, you don't, you don't know what you're saying. He's like, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. He gets scared. He runs like a little girl. He, he falls asleep first off, and then they come and attack, and he tries to fight, which I kind of respect, but Jesus is like, we're not playing that game. Remember, put your sword away. He's like, oh yeah, I, I forgot, and then he takes off, and there's this like chilling narrative in Matthew of him following from a distance, just like, ah, oh, I kind of want to go be with him, but if I go, then I'm going to get killed, and he just kind of stays in the back, and then he denies Jesus three times while Jesus is under trial, his best friend, the guy he's been walking around doing life with for three years, he goes, I can't do it. He goes out and he weeps bitterly. He weeps bitterly, he blew it. And then everything goes down and he gets back into his boat because he was a fisherman. That's what he knew how to do. He gets back into his boat. He goes back out and he keeps fishing. Goes back and just tries to forget uh, uh, about everything. But what he doesn't know is that meanwhile, what's happening is Jesus goes to the cross, pays the price for our sins, conquers the grave, resurrects, comes back onto this earth, walks right up to where Peter is in John 21. If you're here, I tell this story every Easter because I love it. Right, walks right up to where Peter is out in the boat. Peter realizes who it is, jumps out of the water, swims to Jesus. And when he gets to Jesus, what he finds is Jesus with a fire and fish and a table saying, hey, hey, Pete, come on. 
uh, it's time for us to eat again. And you hear it in, in Peter, like, like, like Peter's like trying to, trying to like kind of resist it. And, and Jesus is going, hey, hey, Peter, um, why don't you get over yourself? Because I need you to feed my sheep. And he's like, I don't know if I can, do, like, do you remember everything? Peter, why don't you get over yourself? Uh, I need you to tend to my flock. Like, like, like Peter, come on, come on, what is he saying? He's bringing Peter back to the table to tell him one very, very important thing. At the table, we get reminded that we get to forgive ourselves. And and I think, I've got a feeling that in this room tonight, there are lots of people listening to this going, yeah, I know, like, yeah, God forgives us. That's awesome. Yeah, we don't have to play that game anymore. That's cool. But I think if we're being honest, and I'm so preaching to myself right now, one of the harder things to do, and maybe our next step just tonight, is learning how to forgive ourselves. You know? Like, what if, what if a whole bunch of our bitterness and grudges and inability, inability to forgive others is really just that we can't let go of the stuff going on in our own heart? Like, 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 what if it is that we understand at an intellectual level that, that God forgives us, and, and yet there's this big old gap between our head and our heart, and we're going, I know God forgives us, but, but ah! There's, a, there's this epic quote from this guy named Tim, Tim Keller. I almost said something, I don't know. Tim Keller, he says, when people say, I know God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself, they mean that they have, an, they have failed an idol whose approval is more important than God's. In other words, if we're saying, yeah, I know God forgives me, I just, I can't, I can't forgive myself. What we're really doing is saying, I have an idol in my life and it's my own ego and I cannot fail that ego. And so I can't forgive myself because I care about myself way more than what God thinks of me. So, so we read verses like Romans 8, 1, where, where Paul is going, there's now no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ. And we kind of get it. We don't want to let go. We don't want to let go because of all the stuff, because of all the, the, the junk down here. And, and man, I just kind of feel like, like tonight God's trying to say to, to somebody, hey, hey, it's time to forgive yourself. I, I forgive you. I, I look at you and I see you as a son and as a daughter. I see you as beloved. I see you as forgiven. It's time to start seeing yourself in that same light. That's what happens at the table. So what we're going to do tonight is, is we're going to go to the table. And, Ben, you guys can, can come on up. Um, we're going to take communion together. Communion is really what we've been talking about the, this entire time. Communion is a reminder. A reminder. Going to the table exactly how Jesus told his disciples to go to, to the table. It's a reminder that Jesus died for us. That his body was broken for us. That his blood was shed for us so that we realize that we're forgiven. It's also a reminder that we don't have to play the game anymore. Like, like some of you are going to school tomorrow, starting a brand new school year. What if your motto the entire school year was, I'm not playing that game anymore. Uh, I'm not gonna, when, when people are gossiping about each other, I'm not gonna play that game anymore. When people are insulting each other and trying to bring other people, to, I'm not gonna play that game anymore. I don't have to do that. I don't find my identity. I'm fine. I don't have to play that game anymore. You go to work this week thinking, man, that's not me. That's not me. That's not how I'm going to operate because I realize that I'm forgiven and so I am freed up to forgive others. 
we take communion to, to remember that, that um, we in this room are all unified under something that is so much bigger than our, our little arguments, right? Our, our little whatever's that, that happen. Man, we're human. We're all human, so arguments happen, gossip happens, things happen. And, and what communion reminds us is that we are a bunch of broken people trying to figure out how to be on this earth together. And that we can come to the table together to, to, to go, hey, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, and I forgive you, and whatever. What I just doesn't, it doesn't matter anymore because Jesus paid much too high of a price for me to walk around in this, this jail cell of bitterness. We go to the table together to remind ourselves and remind each other that we don't have to play that game with ourselves. We don't have to play that game in this church. We can be a group of imperfect people striving towards a perfect God together. I, I've had two conversations this week, one with a waiter, one with a guy at the gym, and they both said the exact same thing. Love what you're saying, your pastor, great, cool, good for you. I can't believe in God because of everything I see Christians doing, right? Like, it's like, it's like people are here and this perfect God is here and then there's like eight feet of just junk that we have done, myself included, in the name of Jesus. And how powerful might it be if everybody in this room goes to the table, realizes that we've been saved, realizes that we've been forgiven, realizes that we don't have to play that game anymore, and then goes out into the world and tries to start pulling away that junk that we have created in between um, our, our, our friends, our non-believing friends, and God, and starting to show people that, hey, although Christians are imperfect, there is a perfect God who loves you, cares about you, and wants what's best for you. Maybe, maybe we in this room um, are, are bold enough to take on, to absorb some of that pain and go, look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I don't know why that person said what they did, said to you or did what you, they did to you. They weren't trying to do that. They weren't supposed to do that. They, they didn't really do that in the name of, of the Jesus that I know and, and love. So I'm sorry on their behalf. What if we started doing that? And what if we go to the table and we walk out of here as men and women who can forgive ourselves, can let go of our own past, face forward, and look forward towards the future. And so what we're gonna do is I'm gonna say a prayer in just one second. And then on, our, on my right and my left, uh, whatever, um, there are elements. Um, and I, I, we're gonna take it together tonight. So um, as soon as I, I finish praying, the band's gonna, gonna sing a song. Grab the element and then bring it back to your, to your table. Um, your table, your chair, and, and hold on to it for a second. Um, and when everybody's got them, I'm gonna come back up and, and we're gonna take communion together. We're gonna go to the table together. So Father, we thank you for your forgiveness. Father, we thank you for the table. Father, we thank you for what this table represents. Lord, I thank you for what you are doing in this place. I thank you for what you are doing in this world. I thank you that you care so much about us that you would come for a bunch of broken young adults and call us to go to the table together in fellowship, community, and in remembrance of the price that you paid for us. So Father, just in these next few moments, we ask that you be here with us. Maybe you'd bring some healing. Maybe you'd bring some forgiveness. Maybe you'd be glorified through it all, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen, go ahead and grab the elements and then we'll take it together.